to episode 12 of the Brookwood and Avalon Life of the Mind podcast, Chivalry in the 21st Century. I'm Sherry Walsh, Assistant Head of Brookwood School. I'm here today with Kevin Davern, Head of Avalon School. Hi, Kevin. Hello. And John Acevedo, an Avalon teacher and administrator who's come this year to teach at Brookwood. Hi, John. Hey, Sherry. The impetus for this podcast was my carrying a box of books at Brookwood. I was in the main office where I'd received a couple boxes of books and they needed to move down to my office. I knew if I asked John to carry a box, he would do it immediately without question. Um, I needed the boxes to move. I asked for help. I carried a box. John carried a box. And as we um, walked down the hallway, we started talking. Now, I could have carried the boxes of books and... I understood on some level that what was important was that John carried the box of books, that it was, um, that it was, that I allowed him to do the thing that he is, um, that he is happy to do, that he wants to do. Um, I don't always understand this, um, this impulse in the men I encounter, particularly at Brookwood and Avalon, uh, but I do know it's important to them. Um, so there's there's that piece of it. Um, I think I think that rather than talking about like my lack of understanding, I'm interested first in talking about sort of like our lack of understanding. your lack of understanding, your lack of needing to articulate it, right? Um, and um, and give you all a chance to talk a little bit about what that is. That um, the the carrying of the box of books, the opening of the door, the waiting for the lady to go first, that sort of stuff that we see um, in the culture, um, especially at Avalon and Brookwood, um, and that we see vestiges of in the larger culture. It's it's true. It for me as as a man, uh, that's a simple manifestation of the way I was brought up uh, at home. We were taught that that's what men do, not because women can't, but because it's a way to express a recognition. It's a it's a way to to show that you are willing to do what you can in those little things, um, and it's a way to honor my mother and a way to honor my father. Um, many times, I when you open a door, you get that look of what's the matter. I, do I look like I can't open the door? And I'm ready with the response always to say, I don't do this for you. I do this to honor my mother because she's the one that would expect this of me. <laughs> um, and, and in doing that, I'm honoring a, a tradition, something that comes from before, uh, something that my father would expect. <laughs> And, and that's one of the, one of the driving reasons why we do it. And it's not just it's just me. It's just in, in, at large, mm-hmm. most men do that or have the impulse to do it. Yeah, I think that there was a time in the culture, in the larger culture, where um, women would scowl at a man holding a door or whatever. But I feel like it's kind of settled the other way that people in general recognize that somebody's doing something kind and the proper response is to accept it and, um, and to do kind things for other people as well. You know, so I, I think that that, that era of um, resistance um, has passed. I don't know. I mean, I, it, hope so. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you, if you encounter it. Um, A little bit. Not, not as much. I think you're right. I think it's even feminism has changed in terms of what the hot hit buttons issues are. So, 
I don't don't see too much uh, frustration about holding doors. Yeah. But I can explain to you a little bit about why I think an Avalon man wants to do that. Uh-huh. I think that um, the idea of chivalry, right, is a masculine way of developing yourself and putting it at the service of the other, right? And um, the tradition helps, but this idea of, you know, it, for a boy growing into a man, if he commits himself to just, just the life of the virtues, it'll come out in a masculine way mm-hmm. because it's already wired into him that way. So we put in there by God. Just the same way for a young lady, if she lives the virtues, it's going to come out and develop her femininity. Mm-hmm. But part of the DNA, part of the nature of the boy and man different, is, is a physical development. And to put it at the service of the other, right? to, to build it, to develop it, and put it at the service of the other, and also to pay attention to the other, right? To recognize there's a role there that can. These are great things, and I think, uh, and concrete things, to remind yourself of trying to come out of yourself to, to look at the other. So and it's not just for the lady, right. right? It would also be for anyone who might need it. Sure. You know, somebody younger, a younger boy, for example, that's perfectly fitting, right? So, uh, but so it's it kind of manifestations of a chivalric ideal. That's pretty close to the to the heart of what we tried to do when we started Avalon, you know, black knights is that is yeah. the, you know, so Yeah. No, I think that's really helpful. I mean thinking about I mean, John talking about honoring his parents and honoring the the way that he was raised and the way that um, the way that he was raised that in the past um, has also made people happy. Um, and then the idea of when one is raised in the virtues, what one automatically does and what makes sense. And then also, of course, um, the reminder, especially for the adolescent, of sure. the, um, the presence of the other, right? right. Uh, the sure. importance of, of other people. I think that there's a lot of emphasis um, at the schools on making sure that students are... Um, outward facing as much as reasonable. I mean, the, the culture itself is strong and well-established and occasionally does have to look inward and do things for itself. But this sort of outward facing piece of it seems to be really important. And I think it's also something that differentiates um, Avalon and Brookwood from other, um, you know, from other places, from, um, from other religious schools too, to some degree that there's a, a tendency to look inward and, and think of oneself as sort of the last bastion of whatever. Um, whereas I think that the the treatment of the other is especially important in Brooklyn and Avalon in a way that... Yeah, the idea of love is giving oneself, so yeah. you have to try to come out of the self. Yeah, so right. It's, it's very true. And I think you're on something there. Yeah, and I think it's hard, it's hard for adolescents too because part of the project of adolescence is to figure out you know, who you are and what you're up to. And so there's a certain amount of inward looking that's necessary there. That's, that's why in, in chivalry, there's the accepting of a code. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is a, a way of behaving, which is key. And as an, and as an Avalon knight, we expect our boys to, to be able to behave in a, in a given way. Mm-hmm. And that has manifestations, very clear yeah. manifestations to in, in the community at large, from the way they, they treat each other, mm-hmm. the way they treat... Hopefully. People, yeah, well, eventually, <laughs> sooner or later, we, we expect that to, to, to take root. 
but we actually see it, and and we see parents that come to visit, mm -hmm. and the, the way the boys react, it's, sure. it's a code. It's a, it's a it's a snap to without right. really thinking, because it's a decision that was made previously. Yeah, it's not. Well, yeah. should I stand up this time? Should mm -hmm. I not stand up? Right. Should I do the right? No, it is a decision that's already been internalized. Yeah, and that's really wonderful to see because that's something that will carry them into manhood mm -hmm. uh, and will carry them into fatherhood and, yeah. and subsequently as parents they themselves will maybe consciously or not or un uh, unconsciously transfer that to their children mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I think that that's, that's key. Also uh, a man that is in that situation opens himself to the world and to meeting other people through right. that chivalry, mm -hmm. because chivalry is recognized by other men. Yeah. Okay. Aside from it's also recognized by by, by women as mm -hmm. well, but it's it's a it's a communication, it's a universal language, mm -hmm. uh, a value system that is recognized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember my father coming back from international trips, and he would say, you know. I found a new meaning to the expression, there are folks over the mountain. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that, in faraway countries, that speak completely different languages, that on different continents hold the same values, mm -hmm. the fundamental values. For sure. That, that, that you know, are, are, are Christian, that are, that, that are what we as, as Avalon men hold. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I was expecting as you were talking to um, in, in the beginning of this actually I was expecting to think of like Castiglione the book of the courtier like that kind of stuff but actually what I'm thinking of is the Iliad um, the and two ideas one of them is this kind of action orientation where the like who you are and what the rules are like that's been established and then you're ready to to do the next thing I, um, I noticed that too. When I taught at the University of Maryland, I had um, a student who had come from a military background and his whole approach to the classroom was, you know, does this, and how can I help? What can we do? Um, I have, you know, here's a possible answer. I have a question. I mean, his, it was very, uh, it was very clear to him sort of how he wanted to behave in a very forthright way. In, um, in the classroom, and it was very clear and direct to everybody that he was there to help, and he was prepared to help. It was an established code of conduct that, that he had internalized sure. somewhere else, yeah. and he was bringing here. Right? Yeah. Chivalry is, is the adherence to a code, right? yeah. to a moral code. And then the second idea is there are folks over the mountain. I mean, the idea of Zania, right? The, um, that, the, um, the hospitality to the stranger and the, the, um, the pattern of hospitality that's recognized in order to, you know, form, oh, I don't know, the basis of civilization. Uh, so, right? Because I mean, that's how exactly. you, you can trade with people if you can, um, if, if you know that when you go there, they're not going to kill you. And, um, and then there's a whole pattern of, of how to behave in order to promote good relations. And talking about, talking about the foundation of civilization, could it be that, that my or anybody showing proper, uh, being chivalrous, Shows other potential partners that their moral content, their mm -hmm. moral core, yeah. therefore communicating in some nonverbal way who they are. Yeah. 
It's the uh, dignity of the person. Exactly, yes. Whether, you know, another man or a, a lady. It's really key. Yeah. So as we were setting up the, um, the possibility of this podcast, too, um, I asked if anyone had read anything that um, seemed to feed especially this topic. And um, Kevin had the suggestion of um, a book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you thought of that and what it brings to this conversation? Sure. Just uh, having worked in a boys' school for 32 years now, 33 years, um, really kind of think of what it's about, trying to um, form real men. And as John mentioned, this idea of the code of chivalry is right up there. But as our culture's kind of lost the ideal of what a man is, and then, you know, we're working in a Catholic school setting, and uh, Eldridge writes from an evangelical point of view, but he points out that he says that, that the, the Christian ideal for manhood, as it's often presented, is simply kind of a, a demasculated, uh, nice guy, and that doesn't inspire anything. You know, when you watch a film or you read a good story, it's the swashbuckling character that catches the imagination of, of the young man who he wants to be. And, it's, and I think most young women want at least some of the swashbuckler and, and who, who they're interested in. And uh, so the idea is like, well, no, it's, it's not just to be a nice guy. You know, Christ isn't a milk toast. You know, Christ is, he's the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of Judah. Uh, image I thought was very powerful and the idea that a man has a fundamental fierceness to him as elders would say and that has to be both developed and then put at the service of something greater than himself and I mm -hmm. think that's the masculine project or the boys school project because and why we like knighthood so much because this idea of chivalry and of knighthood it's, uh, it's neither the wimp nor the barbarian and uh, which are the, in, in the pop culture today, you either get kind of a barbarian, a kind of a crass, unrefined uh, lout, you know, uh, the caricature of masculinity, or you have kind of a, what, a metrosexual, or just or someone who's kind of a feet, uh, milk toast. Uh, and uh, the, the knight, you know, takes a sensitivity, a proper sensitivity with practice and trial and error, I think, directed towards the needs of the other, <laughs> not himself, hopefully, right? And, and I think that's a lifetime project. I'm living in a glass house, so I'm going <laughs> to put that out there. Uh, but um, in a kind of a refinement, you know, like around the school, so you're not afraid to match, you know, that's a good thing. <laughs> Groom yourself, <laughs> people have to look at you. Uh, but, but also the fierceness of the barbarian, harnessing the energy and a toughness or your own comfort, you're willing to give up for a good enough reason. And so it, it's not the mean between the wimp and the barbarian, but it takes, it transcends the paradigm. And um, right. anyway, so that's why I think, and I think Eldridge's book really does a good job of that. Book, Wild at Heart. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. he, he does, and, and also in his book he says that the, the male as in, in, in the adolescence needs validation. He clearly says that, that the validation comes from other men. That's right. That, that's why I think that the Avalon Project is, is, is wonderful in the sense that, that when we as men recognize a manly thing in our students, you know, we lock gaze, we see each other, we square off, we say, job well done, 
or job not well done. And, and, and there's an impact there. And, and that is precious. That cannot be replaced or recreated That's right. in, a, in any other place. Right. Leonard Sachs talks a lot about this idea too that you know like the the mentorship that a generation or two ago you might have a a teenage boy working on a car with his father or uncle uh, and you know talking about things in the mix of a task because men usually don't go face to face they're shoulder to shoulder yeah for perspective and and you know and and also the the reality that I think John rightly points out is that a young man has this idea or this need to test himself, you know, this, the tendency to seek risks, and uh, it's that's wired into the biology. So you want you want them to find healthy risks, but the idea is they need to be affirmed by men whose masculinity they themselves respect. Right. And uh, I think that's really key. And also, they're looking for patterns of behavior from men whose masculinity they respect. Mm-hmm. And so the holding doors, you know, for ladies and and what have you, it's right up there, you know. That's funny, just when you were mentioning that earlier, I had an image jump into my mind as a, I'm an atrocious dancer. Um, I'm, you know, I tended to play sports growing up, but but uh, I was just talking about this with Barry Stallman at Avalon a couple months ago and Tom Tobin recently. And um, how sports, at their highest thing, you have an element of teamwork, a give and take, and people working together. And, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you see a team sport played like that. And Tom Tobin pointed out, well, it's kind of dance, too. Mm-hmm. And of course it is, but often dance between masculine and feminine. Right. And when it's done well, you know, uh, how great it is to see that. So holding the door, you know, or carrying that, yeah. it's a way it's, to kind of, to, to live that in a, in a small way. Um, just, you know, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I think a properly formed man will want to do that. Yeah. Or, so it's a kind of um, choreography of... Um, you know how how people interact, a kind of choreography so, of, yeah. of. I mean, I don't want to say that. So, in ways, it's like a choreography of civilization, but it's also. I mean, that's kind of overdone. That's kind of weird. Uh, but the. Um, but, the I, but yeah, yeah, and um, and people being able to spontaneously act out um, these forms like in different right. ways exactly. is. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a type of dance. Mm-hmm. It's a type of dance, and that's and that's absolutely correct. If if we have if we have boys that are behaving in a particular manner, and then somebody from afar can understand what they're all about without having to actually verbalize anything, right? Because if they can see whether or not they're playing sports with with sportsmanship, whether or not they're being courteous to each other, how they're treating each right. other, that tells volume about who they are. Yeah, and and and. and and that's one of the things that we try to drive in Avalon that the boy internalizes certain things yeah. uh, that, that, that makes him into the man we want him to be. That I'd love my girls to marry, mm-hmm. right? That's the kind of person mm-hmm. that, that we're trying to shape in Avalon. Yeah. Um, because they're looking for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember my girls, when, when I was driving them to the prom, and should I... Should I expect the boy to open the door? I said, you darn tootin' you should. <laughs> and you should wait for him to come to the door and come inside and be polite and properly dressed. You know why? Because you're worth it. That's right. And, and chivalry shows 
non-verbally that you're worth it, and mm-hmm. so is he. Right. So it's a it's a mutual Even recognition. Verbally too, you know, yeah, yeah that, that, that with your well. language and. and mm-hmm. I think John said something else before. I think it's pretty key. And you, you talked about adolescence, Sherry. I, I think uh, there's a part of the boy has this idea, like I want to be a man. I want to be a good man, you know. And, and it's but it's unarticulated in his mind. But the code gives him the first step, you know, like the choreography, if you want to think of it that way, in terms of what am I supposed to do? Right. Start to become that, you know, because you know. The Kaizen approach to virtue, just a little tiny increment, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to that also. And so you just see it and you can start to do it. And then eventually, you know, second nature, right, becomes your nature. <laughs> these, these, these acts of uh, right. coming out of oneself and playing the role that a, that a man ought to have. And of course, this is to the test of time. You know, like the idea that, that the beautiful differences between men and women, uh, the complementarity of, of men and women. Yeah. And uh, it's a folly of our current age to uh, forget it or undermine it or what have you. you know? Or decide that it's um, that it's creating a kind of oppressive hierarchy. Right. Um, yeah. So just as Eldridge um, says that the the question that the boy asks is, "Am I strong? You know, am I strong enough? Did I do it? You know, am I?" Yeah. The the question that the girl asks is, "Do you see me?" And so that, I mean, so what you're saying about, like, having your daughter wait for the, the door to be opened or, you know, I mean, there's, there's an element of, like, you should do that because you're worth it. And it's, I mean, you should do that because you should be seen. You That's should right. be, right? You know, yeah, there's, there's that sense of... Um, I see you. Yeah, exactly. Therefore, I, I respond. Yeah. And that's so and much, I mean, you're talking about the dignity of the human person earlier. I mean, yeah. that's certainly what that is. Well, how about the unique beauty of, of, of the woman, of, mm-hmm. the, of the feminine, right, mm-hmm. that we see? Mm-hmm. And it's important because it, it seen and, and understood, at least a little, it brings out the better, the better parts of a man, you know. To want to be better, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah. at the, um, there's the idea of, um, of the the woman as the kind of inspiration you think about um, the Carter says the beauty to rescue the beauty to rescue right, right. that's okay. the phrase that yeah. he uses and yeah. I think there's something there but you can mm-hmm. but he also says that and I think this is also true the man can't seek validation in the woman right true. your validation has to be a kind of in a higher purpose and I think part of that's because of um, well just you know <laughs> just your intrinsic dignity as, as for both men and women you know you can't and the way interpersonal relationships can be but uh but no the, the beauty to rescue but in the right. context of you already kind of have a uh it, well sense of your place within, in yeah. relation to the transcendent <laughs> right that that you, there's a, a kind of uh, i mean that it's important to have that relationship in like in conjunction with um the the transcendent and also you were talking about the um the relationship between men and women and um, the woman as a kind of inspiration makes me think also of that tradition of courtly love. Um, the idea of there being a kind of distant, um, inspirational woman figure, right? That, um, that the knight is willing to fight for. And so in ways you have the ideal is what's being, is, is what's being fought for. And then, of course, I mean, the woman in you know, in relationship is you know, is seen and and honored in a reasonable way. Um, it's it's interesting. It's you. Know, we're, each person is looking for salvation. 
We were all one with that. And it's interesting when you say, are you going to be the person that I will die for to get to heaven? It's that now, and, and that's that's where it echoes on what Kevin was saying that it's it's not the woman, it's through the woman sure. that I'm looking for a higher goal. Yeah, and that's absolutely absolutely correct. But but it's 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 a, a man is looking for a cause mm-hmm. to sacrifice himself, mm-hmm. and that's what we do. We right. as men, well, it's a vocation. It's a vocation you know? exactly. Uh, for this, for the priest, that's the the lady is the church, right? I mean, in a sense, but yes. uh, but no, that's that's really it's a true thing. I mean, I think yeah. the way that a man gives himself is different than the way that a woman gives herself. And you know, I remember thinking about this question. Maybe it's even one of my issues, but I remember thinking of this a long time ago, way before my career path became obvious. Like, what makes a man a man, you know? Will I measure up? I guess it's the, the, the way yeah. my adolescent angst went. And, like, I really think you don't need to worry about that. God put that part in there <laughs> as long as you try to start doing the right things, you know, for both right. the, the young man and the young woman, you know. It's, I remember, trust your father, you know, in heaven, you know, for, for that. I remember very clearly looking for that and, and uh, in the hallway, a <laughs> uh, uh, very personal item. Uh, twice in my life did my father ever manifest approval of something that I did mm. and for insignificant things but one of them was the day that I got married and, and as he was tightening up in the bow tie and he said son you did this all yourself and, and that was a validation yeah. those were the, one of the two times when he said it and that was the validation that I, that I was seeking yeah and, for sure and it very much related to what the book was saying sure yeah. um, and, and, and absolutely it, it, that, that's, that's what it is and, and nowadays many young men don't have that father figure right. to say one that's way right. or another or many times they receive a, a, a message that, that, that hurts them that right. hurts them because it gives them a, a, a no you're not worthy no mm-hmm. you're not you don't measure Right. And, and therefore, again, you know, the, the Avalon environment, I, I find, you know, I've only, I was only there for three, for four years, but, but it, it's unique in the sense that we're constantly, at, at every turn, when a child, when, when a young boy does something right, we're there, we're with him, we're right. there, we're supporting him. And on, on the contrary, when he doesn't do something right, we're also telling him, you know, the truth because right. we're not there to but it's not that he's a, it's not that he's bad it's that, like, that, that like, this behavior, behavior needs to be corrected for sure yeah I mean Eldridge talks for a long time in the book about the wound right sure, about yes, the, yeah, the yeah. wound that's administered by the father in some way and um, and how long it takes and how difficult it is to um, unearth and then to overcome to heal the wound um and so there's, I mean, there's that that piece of it that seems to be um, maybe especially important in our time. But I can't imagine too that there's always, I mean, that maybe it manifests differently in our time. Uh, and that, right. that previously it's sort of, you know, uh, you can't hit anything with that arrow, you know. Right, right. Yeah, so, so so that, but the father was there. Right. True. The, 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 true. So there'd be the, lots of encounters. Yeah, the existence of the father figure was was typically there. And nowadays we have we have a, a, a you know, the family's in crisis. Right. And therefore, 
the the finding of that father figure mm-hmm. I, I think is crucial now more than ever. Yeah. Because if not, then the boys will look for validation in the wrong places, mm-hmm. and then that will set them into into a, a downward spiral that can really be <coughs> tremendously negative for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I, I, I feel that, that, that an environment where it's only very, right, it's only men is, is very, very conducive to that brotherhood, to that mm-hmm. we're, we're in this together and I see yeah. you as my equal. Right. You're no longer a child. Welcome to the, to, welcome to the group of men, right? Mm-hmm. A rite of passage almost. That's yeah. great. That's all that's very important. Right. Maybe the idea that the, the masculine um, passes on that idea of worth to the masculine. Um, and so sure. that's yeah. And the that's desire just, to measure up would be tested, gets you past the wound, I think, for the boy. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I, I was amused with you know the face. You know, he talks a long time about the wound. You know, maybe too long. I, I think the wounds, you know, once you get a little bit older, too easy. Yeah, we've all got them. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, right. yeah, that's normal. That's a part it's of the process too. To face right. to face the issues, right. you know, and just okay. And um, reminds well, me, you know, easy. Joe McPherson talked about teaching this way. And I talked about um, being a father this way. He called it, you know, it's my, my take on it's called the vector of trying. And that if you, for a teacher or a father, I think this works for mother, obviously, too, that if you hang in there with your kids long enough, you're going to make a million mistakes in the short run, but in the big picture, it turns out all right. And I think it's like that when you face your issues, you know, whatever it is, to you just hang in there, that's the victory. You know, perseverance is the victory. Right. In, in um, <laughs> many times for, for, for a young man, you know, the physical is, is the place to show prowess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it is, it's always amazing to see the faces of, 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 the, of the Avalon boys when they are coming off the field after a pack capture the flag mm-hmm. or after a field day of, of, of physical exercises and games where they all come together and unite as a, as a, as a house to, to win. And, and the boys come off the field saying, wow. And I ask them, isn't this school great? And they say, wow, it's great. <laughs> Especially the, the, the new ones that are experiencing, sure. experiencing yeah. that kind of brotherhood and camaraderie mm-hmm. and that kind of, that, that kind of wow. I, 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 I'm now one of the team. One, yeah. and, 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 and they belong to something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Because as you say, they're, they're out to find out who they are. Sure. But also where they belong, right? Right. What What is the code? Is as you said, what are, What is the model that I want to follow? Plus, there's just a commonality. If you look right. at a big party, a big family reunion, a lot of it is men talking to other men and ladies with other ladies. And there's there's cross pollination, if you will, going on too, right? And it's not, but there's just you know there's the nature of things too. You know, there's the, <laughs> in addition to you know marriage being such a fundamental thing. There's also kind of the need for friendship and comradeship yeah. for both men and women with other men and women, right? Right, exactly. So, and so single-sex schools do it for both. Yeah. And John Eldridge, he mentions that. He mentions that even though you're married, and that's fine, and that's great, and your wife is fundamental, and but don't lose your contact with your guys. Right. Don't lose your contact that's with your guys. That's something that happens more to men than to women. I that's mean, right. that, that yes. you know... That the, the most women are much better by keeping their ties yeah. than most men. Yeah, I mean, a middle-aged men can be kind of lonely. Um, the um, I think the in, in the culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, that that women maintain those ties better. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly why that is. 
but um, it seems to be the case. And also talking about the, um, the sports um, and those moments of sort of exaltation that happen um, as a result of that for the boys. I think on the girl side, the moment where you see everybody together and like, oh, she's a Brookwood girl, uh, that would be gala. You know, I think that by the time we get to the spring, that the new girls um, really become a part of the school through participating in the, you know, the dancing and singing and like figuring it out and then the drama associated with it and the, you know, who's writing the song and like all of that stuff. I the think two, that, that that's the, the kind of shaping moment. Yeah, the, 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 the two events at Am I Worth It in uh-huh. the games and uh, Am I Seen yeah. in Gala. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, absolutely. As, as my girls, Gala was, that was the Come thing. Right. with the boys though too. I think yeah. part of the culture as, uh, as there are fewer examples of a refined masculinity, right? There are fewer boys that, that kind of, you know, the song and dance thing, you don't get it as much, right? But for the boys that are good at it, you see the same dynamic yes, that you get sports. You do, Very like, you, you see, you know, a chance to flourish and some talent that, that you know, that I'm blessed with, basically. And confidence, right? right? And, uh, no, it's, it's a lot of, it's really, it's a great thing to see. When well, and there's an element of play. Too. I mean, so there's um, yeah. there's a certain amount of craft and a certain amount of getting it right, but then there's also just a certain amount of play that um, that brings people together. And the gala that puts together the boys and the girls, mm-hmm. and that is that dynamic is 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 very very interesting to see because the boys are in their boyish environment, the girls are in their girlish. Then when they come together, it it really it is it is very unique. It is very special. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm looking at your son Quentin here, and uh, one other thing has to be said: it's not just it's not just sports that bring this though, too. And I think that uh, boys like to compete; that brings out something in the boy, but also in things intellectual, right? Competition. And this is where single sex schools or a boy school really helps because you know different things, different aptitudes kick in at different times for boys and for girls. Sure. And the way modern schooling is. It, it really favors girls, especially in the primary grades, fine mm-hmm. motor skills and what have you. Yeah. And so girls flourish in school. A lot of Sitting boys, still. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whereas gross motor skills develop earlier for the boy, etc. But anyway, so boys get the idea, a lot of them, that that uh, that school and, and things intellectual connected with book learning are for girls, and therefore they don't compete and therefore mm-hmm. don't develop. But in a boys' school, mm-hmm. you see a lot of those different things come out in a lot of different ways and uh, you see the same dynamic with things of the mind as you do with sports sometimes mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's very cool when you do right. <laughs> you know and because you know like I say 21st century chivalry you know like uh, that's one of the things that I mean you said an open house talk years ago kind of what's Avalon like it's medieval and it's modern you know but also like an academic jock school you know I went the I went the the bookish types to approach that like their sport, and I want the, the jock types to see the goodness and life of the mind, right? And I think for sure, uh, the chivalric idea is a more of a complete, mm-hmm. a refined and rugged, right? right. Man, uh, that is you, need, you need both, right? I mean, yeah. you really do. I mean, you know. right? No, but that you have like all of these, um, all, you have a kind of ease with all of these different attributes, um, the sprezzatura, right? With, yeah, sure, uh, with, yeah, with all yeah. of the with all of the different attributes, and then the ability to you kind of pass the spunk, like yeah, you want the, the the lion of Judah. Yeah, you know, Asen's not a tame lion. That's also wild at heart. Like, 
Right. Right. He's good, but he's not safe. You know. Right. He's good. You know. So um, we can leap from Lewis to Tolkien if you'd like to. Sure. Um, I know that um, that Kevin has some thoughts about um, Lord of the Rings and Aragorn and Arwen and Faramir and Eowyn. Yeah, both courtships, um, and I guess with Aragorn and Arwen, it's in the appendices, but uh, the courtship between these these really masculine ideals of both uh, Aragorn and Faramir, really kind of moving, a little bit like the, the wooing scene in Henry V. Hmm. You get a, a picture of it, and... Uh, very inspiring. I'll also say on a related note that the, the friendships between uh, the characters in Lord of the Rings, uh, between the men and the, and right. the quest, uh, or the male characters, you know, uh, really inspiring too, I think, for more of a complete picture of what a man is. But, but in particular, you know, you mentioned a couple of things about the code. Uh, Faramir, early in the story, talking to Frodo, says, you know, we men of Gondor were truth speakers, right? So it's kind of like his own identity separate from where he, he hasn't met Eowyn yet. Eowyn's convalescing after the great battle, and, and she's, she's got her own wound she's dealing with. And she, but she's a lioness herself and a real beauty, and he falls for her. And the way he uh, puts himself at her service and um, pursues her is really magnificent. Because it's full bore pursuit, but in a very refined way, you know. And it's hard to get both things, as, you know. Uh, but it really comes out strongly in uh, Lord of the Rings. That's one of my chief uh, uh, frustrations with the Peter Jackson movies is they really change the nature of the character Faramir, uh. and uh, the, the actor doesn't quite get it, in my opinion. But uh, anyway. <laughs> That's another Avalon thing. We, we tend to hit that one pretty well. So. Yeah. Um, as we think about how, um, how these ideas of chivalry um, manifest in the 21st century, we've got the ideas of like how the small community interacts with the larger one, and then we have ideas about how chivalry is imparted to others. Um, the worth of it... Um, this idea that it's um, that it's worth preserving um, seems to me also to be very important. Um, John begins from a place of, you know, I don't question, it's just what I do, and what I do honors my parents. And there's a kind of value in that even before you reach out anymore. But then there's this idea that, um, that it provides a, a kind of a code, a way of knowing how to behave or how to live the virtuous life um, in it's then many variations. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to add about that? I think that uh, I think that it's, it's again it's universal. It's, it's not just something that, that that comes from my family or my culture. I, I find that everywhere. I I, mm-hmm. I really didn't know Kevin Davern that much, but I. I admire him tremendously because he, I see the you exact know, same. Well, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I see the exact same virtues. I see right. the you exact can, same. You can same recognize. I identify. Show. I recognize. Right. Yeah. And and in so many other people, and I and when I don't see it, I immediately get a reaction because I say, you know, this person does not speak with the truth. Mm-hmm. Now. Truth can be can be confused by by honest mistakes. Another thing, it can be 
and malevolent, right? It can be, it can actually be, be, be negative, be a conniving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, so I, I find certain things to be universal that, that if, Everybody in a larger community has those values. The community, in and of itself, will prosper by almost by definition, because the commonalities are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain things that are kind of taken care of. Like everybody knows yeah, what the rules are, exactly. and so then once those things are clear, then and they're good. They're clear and they're good. And once that's established, then. It's it, there's all kinds of freedom to act virtuously. Our, our current the, the Judeo-Christian culture, founded on the fundamentals of the Ten Commandments, allowed us to live in community. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're thinking about what happens if the world falls apart, what happens if all of a sudden you know the civilization falls? What's what's going to happen? Where am I going to get food? And if I do get food, will I be able to go to sleep because somebody's going to come and take my food? So therefore, I'm going to have to be able to communicate with somebody else that while I sleep, you watch the food. Right. But then we have to have a, a, a pact, mm-hmm. right? Again, a code right. that we do not violate and mm-hmm. that allows us to live together. Right. right. Uh, and, and it has to be really strongly held. And it has to be yeah. strongly held. So the, that's the foundation of civilization when right. you think about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and those are those are the, the, the morals, right? The, the inside the walls, this is how we behave, mm-hmm. right? right? In this right. home, this is how we behave. Yeah. In this community, this is what we do, and this mm-hmm. is how we behave. So I think it's, it's universal, uh, and it's the foundation upon which everything we see is built. I yeah, think. I mean, I think the clarity of it really allows for excellence. Um, again, because you're not always negotiating everything. And, uh, and because the, the things that have been established have a kind of um, intrinsic value to them that enables, you know, that, that it can serve as a kind of foundation. Kevin? I, I'd agree. You, you just said the word intrinsic value, you know, that in a culture as crazy as it is right now, like it is kind of being twisted in so many ways, but when these things are lived well, when chivalry is, is, is woven into the fabric of our society and um, the family is strong, it's self-evident that this is a good thing, right? And then in terms of the, the, the male side of things, the masculine side, that, that this needs to be defended, right? Even in, in this culture, it's like a, it's a candlelight, you know? <laughs> it's a candle and, and it, the, the wind is kicking up. It has to be protected, and then that's our role as men to try to, to to protect the good, you know. And you think about it that the the theology of the body, if you will, right? The fact that new life is conceived within the woman, right, means that it's our job to defend that, right? Mm-hmm. And John said, like in this in this in this side of the wall, this is what we do, you know. Right, and that helps me understand the female side, which is about nurturing. That's right. And, yeah. That's right. And um, I think, and then. The reason why it's been turned topsy-turvy, at least something, I think, is the failure of men to try to live this well. You know, if, if, if men live chivalry, uh, feminism doesn't have a, a leg to stand on past the, the equal dignity of persons, so, you know? Right. And uh, there's a story I heard once where, uh, it was third hand, but this guy was a dentist, and he himself was married, had a big family, and he... Catholic man took his faith very seriously, 
And um, anyway, he was he was uh, tending to one of his patients, which was one of the high profile early feminist kind of more aggressive types. And in a moment of candor, she said, "You know, if I had married a guy like you, <laughs> I'd been totally different." Yeah. And I, so I, I think you know, there's the thing that that Chesterton says the Christian ideal hasn't been found uh, wanting; it's been found difficult and left untried. You know, I'm paraphrasing right. that I butchered right. a little bit, but uh, I think it's kind of like that with the masculine ideal too. That that people have this caricature of, uh, of masculinity that it isn't the real thing. And, and when it's lived well, the fact that it's good is intrinsically obvious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why we started this school. One of the big reasons we started this school, you know, 20 years ago, if you can stand it. <laughs> so. so let's leave it there. Yeah, thanks very much for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. us. Thank you for listening to episode 12 of the Brooklyn and Avalon Life of the Mind podcast today with John Acevedo and Kevin Davern. Our producer is Quentin Walsh. Our music is by Fabian Tunnel. Opinions expressed are the participants' own.